The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleiner. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour. I'm Sharon Kleiner. The Power of Water has been our mission, my mission for many, many, many years, and we're hearing more about it every day. Um, isn't it sad that we begin to discuss it more when there are developments that water is in a fresh water is in a crisis? Now today, before we have our guest on, and we have a very special guest, and I can hardly wait to have C. D. Shelton on. He's the author and professor of biology, written many novels, but we're going to discuss a book that he, uh, an ebook he has written on the essential ingredient of life and how previous civilizations have vanished from the lack of water, and that's what this show has been all about. For seven years, we have been discussing every week the crisis of water and how important it is for you to have water. Now, here's some ideas here for you to think about. The human body suffers from a water crisis from the beginning of birth. There's a Russian scientist that I've been reading about that has said that what we need to do is get people encouraged and, and, uh, and, and get everyone understanding the body of your water. Your water body is water. You forget that. I was a guest speaker at a school in Upper New York not long ago, and when they wanted to discuss water, what did I discuss with the students? I discussed their body and water. The kids did not know. They forgot. Their body is made up of water. They look at the streams. They look at the rivers. They look at the lakes. They look at the mud puddles. They look at the oceans. They forget. They're water. Now, follow me. From the moment you were born, you left a pocket of water. You entered in the air you breathe in that delivery room. The air you breathe is invisible water. If it wasn't invisible water with vapor in the air, water vapor, you would not live to live in that atmosphere, it's called. The earth, three billion years ago, was surrounded with water in the vapor of the air. It came to earth, dropped in rain, and when it stops raining, the vapor's back in the air. But when it dropped rain, it began to develop create water on the surface of the earth. Earth has water. Later in time, human life began after other lives of organisms began. Everything depends on water. 
Your human body is 90% water at birth. As your life grows up, you diminish to 70%. Then as you begin to age and you get older, it gets down to 50%. Now, have you known that some of the worst diseases and some of the worst problems are dehydration of your body? That's what's happening. And as you begin to live in the air you're living in, called the atmosphere of the invisible water, no two eyes alike, no two fingerprints alike, what is your influence of individuality? You're evaporating, causing a dehydration. Your body, and follow me, your body is this. The brain is 80 to 85% water. Teeth are 8 to 10% water. Your lungs are 75 to 80% water. Your heart is 70 to 80% water. Your liver is 75 70 to 75. Your bones are 20 to 25. Your skin is 70 to 75. Your kidneys are 80 to 85. Blood is 50%. Your muscles are 70 to 75%. Now, what are you? Your water. Now, here comes what we all have to do together. There's a really good article I've written out there by Joel Brinkley. Water wars are coming. Joel says this, get ready for water wars. Most of the world's population takes water for granted, just like air. The two sustaining, you need both, but both influence each other. The water, the invisible water in the air influences the, the water on, the, on our lives on the earth, that fresh water. Now, after all the human body, as he says, is two-thirds water. He's got a statement here, but a Hinduism time blogger said in India just recently, as in so many other places around the world, drinkable water has become such a precious precious commodity. It's dragging the world into water wars to follow the ones to control that are, that are going to be worse than fuel oil. Climate change is changing our lakes and our streams. You need to understand that what is happening is water has become a crisis. We have 11 cities completely running out of water, and I'm going to read these to you in the United States. Lincoln, Nebraska, Cleveland, Ohio, Miami, Florida, Atlanta, Georgia, Washington, D.C., El Paso, Texas, San Antonio, Texas, San Francisco, California, Houston, Texas, Los Angeles, California, and Salt Lake City, Utah. Now, Salt Lake City is a fascinating story. In the history of the American frontier, the great human conquest was always water. And when the Mormon pioneers went into Utah, they began immediately, immediately, to turn a desert into canals of water that began to assist Settlements in Las Vegas, Phoenix, Denver, Los Angeles, and other places. It was our forefathers knew, well, you have to have the water or you won't live. Forms of waters are bridges of cooperation around the world. And I was reading this. 
people are finding you better cooperate with each other because there might be a water upstream that you need. So we need to learn to get along. Learn to think about how important water is to your everyday life and, 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 and it is a precious commodity. It's your life. And remember when you're out there breathing every day, your breath of life is so important. That invisible water in the air you're living in called the atmosphere is influencing the fresh water on the earth and your everyday life. Did you know that when you're wa- you should be drinking eight to ten glasses of water a day? And that's what the Russian scientist is saying. Drink water fresh water every day, you'll put a humidity, you'll be very environmentally putting a humidity of water in the air when you're drinking adequate water. The other thing is water is a solvent. Water helps dissolve. So if you have something in your body that is unknown, you'll begin to dissolve it if you drink enough water. And then you're assisting the water environment around you personally because it puts a humidity of moisture in the air along with the atmosphere of water vapor. So stop and think. That's what this show has been all about. We've had the most wonderful guests through the years, absolutely dedicated, committed people to coming on the show, and you can listen to us like we're in a laboratory sharing information with you. So listen well. We invite all your friends and to come and listen And any questions you may have, email us, and you'll email us and follow me on my Facebook and Twitter. But you'll email me to Sharon Kleina, K-L-E-Y-N-E-Hour.com. And listen on Voice America to all the dedicated people that are on this Voice America every week, every day, throughout the day. You can go to the websites and look up which one you want to listen to of all the dedication and mission statements of helping you and your health and your outlook on life. Today, as I said, we have C.D. Sheldon, and we'll be back in a minute, but first we're going to listen to our sponsor. Biologic Aqua Research is our sponsor, and the product Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Did you know that at the surface of your eye, when that eyelid is open, it's 98% water evaporating? Do you know that vision impairment is water evaporation? Drink a lot of water. But Nature's Tears Eye Mist is that 100% tissue culture grade of water to supplement your eyes. What is vision impairment? Evaporation causing a dehydration, causing vision impairment. Just mist with Nature's Tears Eye Mist. And that may help you relieve some of those problems. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back with C.D. Shelton. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. 
Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleiner Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleiner Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. CD, are you with us? Uh, yes, ma'am, I am. Well, thank you for joining us. And do, we, uh, do I call you CD? Uh, you may call me any, anything you like. That's fine. CD or uh, uh, Professor Shelton, whatever you like. Okay. Well, Professor Shelton, um, I'll keep my viewers in mind that that's what you do. And uh, you're the author and professor of biolo- biology of four decades, uh, 40 years of um, uh, studying and uh, writing. You've written 10 novels. But today we wanted to discuss the essential ingredient for life is water and how pre- uh, previous civil- civilizations have vanished. Now, before we begin, um, Professor, tell us, how did, you, how did you get where you're at? Now, I always do this with everyone. You, you, were, you were a young person, and did you decide, how did you decide that you wanted to be a professor of biology? Um. It starts with, uh, all, all of us have a story to tell, as you probably know. Uh, our life story, and it's ingrained in who we are. I was born in Texas and um, spent my early years on a ranch warming type of community, and uh, water was essential ingredient for uh, life on a, a farm or a ranch. And... Uh, Actually, I've been fascinated with the idea of water from very early on. I would seek out books that had been written uh, with water as a theme. And uh, you can find those if you like. Uh, Dune, for example, by Frank Herbert uh, was depicted as a science fiction novel uh, in which water was wealth. And it's certainly true today. Uh, Others like... uh, See Robert Heinlein and his uh, book on um, grokking. Well, he was uh, depicting life on Mars, a very arid planet in which water was, again, the the essential ingredient for life. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's no different than what we have today. Uh, Mm -hmm. We are actually at a crossroads. I was listening to your introduction earlier, and you were mentioning former guests had mentioned how critical water is and we'll have uh, in our future water wars. I I truly believe that. Water is uh, and will become the new oil, something that is sought after. While we're living on a water world, it's not all roses because that water world, uh, some of uh, the water is inaccessible to us. Something like, what, 1%, maybe less, is potable which means out of a total, we might have um, really only a very small quantity of water for the amount of people that we are generating on this planet. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I was impressed early on with um, 
a book written by Rachel Carlson. Maybe you know the name? No, I don't. Well, she wrote a book um, about uh, DDT. As you recall, that was a pesticide that was used earlier in uh, the 60s and 70s. -hmm. And um, DDT was supposedly a biodegradable material, but it didn't turn out to be as biodegradable as we might wish. It accumulated in the environment and flowed off into our waterways. Our aquatic life began to decline. And anything that had to do with water and life in that water was affected by DDT, including birds, their shells, uh, their eggs became thin, and they couldn't bear their young as a basis of that. So she uh, single-handedly changed the way of life, and that often doesn't happen with a single book. Because from that point on, we began to find that pesticides needed to be biodegradable and needed to be controlled in terms of how they were used in the environment. Mm-hmm. Well, um, let's see. I think uh, Lake Erie is the smallest of the five lakes of the Great Lakes. And uh, it's shallow. Mm-hmm. At one point, Lake Erie and the end of the 1970s was so well polluted that it could not support life. You couldn't stand downstream from Lake Erie because of the fragrances, and quote, that were wafting off of that water. So mm-hmm. both Canada and the U.S. took the bull by the horn, so to speak, and mm-hmm. um, did something to control the flow of uh, nitrates and phosphates that would cause eutrophication, which was rapidly occurring to that body of water. How long do you think it took them, Professor? Uh, they haven't Excuse succeeded me? yet. It's, okay. still, it's still in uh, a semi-polluted state, but it's mm-hmm. far better, better than it has been, mm-hmm. and that was because of the joint effort. Well, that's the kind of joint effort that we're going to need if we're going to save fresh water on this planet. Right, and that should be the focus of all life. There should be every day no other focus. Uh, everything comes together after it. Number one, the focus is water. As you know, we have 5,000 children dying a day without water. Problem. Uh, yes, that's exactly right. And um, uh, those are caused, those, those deaths are caused by sometimes waterborne uh, pollutants, uh, waterborne exactly. organisms. Well, what uh, is malaria? Right. I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you. What is malaria? Malaria. Water uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put malaria as a waterborne, even though the part of the life cycle of mosquito, the Anopheles mosquito, is based upon water. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and they only, a mosquito only likes polluted water. Uh, it likes, yeah, it does like still water that it can lay its eggs in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the, the young do require water. Mm-hmm. You're exactly mm-hmm. right about that. Mm-hmm. But it, and, and strictly a definition of a waterborne um, mm-hmm. substance, microorganism, mm-hmm. the mosquito, Malaria mosquito would not qualify. However, others do. Plenty of them. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Protozoans, for example, amoebic dysentery, uh, E. coli bacteria, Mm -hmm. uh, viruses, even um, Mm -hmm. roundworms, flukes. There's a number of them that survive in polluted water, and uh, that's of course the type of things that we're talking Mm -hmm. about that cause children to die. Mm Right. So it's, and uh, it's we have a, thousands it's a of children a day. Yeah, uh, they're dying because of that, and and they don't have water. 
And, and, if, and my research has been the impact of the atmosphere, the water vapor of the air impacting the dehydration of the human body. And, and as you've been studying, the civilizations that are dimish, diminishing so far back. And that is something to bring to attention. Now, I don't know if you heard me. Um, I was a guest speaker at an Upper New York Middle School and they wanted me to talk about water, which, of course, I, I'm like you are, Professor. I have been into water since I was so young. I, I, go, I, I think I go as far back as a toddler. Uh, I love water. And well, it was all my only life. a few years ago then. I, yeah, I'm in my <laughs> 70s, Professor. Oh, really? Well, your voice people. has a useful appeal to it. That's great. <laughs> the only reason I tell people, because uh, I always thought I'd get smarter if I got older. <laughs> the other one is, is I came from an era of people, and I'm wanting young people today and people to know I came from an era of people where our outlook was so unusually different than today. Uh, we didn't put on the bumper sticker, I'm going to take it with me and not leave it behind. Oh, <laughs> oh yes, you're exactly right. I mean, the millennials today are very different than uh, the uh, time period you're speaking of. I know. Uh, I, I actually, to be honest with you, I predate uh, your era that you're talking about. Okay. Uh, okay. So I'm, I'm, very, I'm familiar with what you're referring to. <laughs> uh, you were asking me earlier what got me interested in water, and uh, I mentioned a few of them. Uh, I've always been fascinated with the idea of, of preserving water, realizing its importance. I wrote uh, several books. You mentioned uh, ten of them. Well, mm-hmm. several of them have been published. The three of them called a, a trilogy, uh, Age of Eternal Fire, Journeys in the Primal Forest, and Uprising on the Rio Jari were all connected in uh, a time period 13,000 years ago in the Amazon region. Mm -hmm. And if you have looked at the Amazon, which has always fascinated me, we have the largest, uh, longest river in the world, the Amazon, Mm -hmm. uh, located in that locale. Well, Mm -hmm. uh, that fascinated me about that particular aspect of life 13,000 years ago, what would they have run into? So I created a world, you might say, to fit into that type, type of scenario. But um, those... Tell, no, 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 don't, don't go too far ahead now for a second. And always excuse me, everyone, listeners, when I interrupt, because if I don't, I'll forget to come back. Uh, so you chose 13,000 years ago. And how did you go about putting together the uh, research format to, to do that, the profile of it? I read a, a news article about uh-huh. um, a comet that had come down uh, 13,000 years ago. Some um, geology professor at the University of Oregon, my old school, uh, found micro-diamonds in a layer of soil and the only way you could have had um, that much heat and pressure was with a massive collision. And uh, he figured, and others con- concluded he was right, that we had been struck on the eastern slopes of the Sierra Nevadas by a comet mm-hmm. 13,000 years ago. And okay. it corresponded to the extinction of various forms of life in that region. But I didn't want to write about that. Mm-hmm. So I took uh, some 
literary license and transferred the comet strike to the eastern slopes of the Andes okay. and uh, the headwaters of the Amazon because that's what I was okay. interested in writing on. Okay, that's yeah, that makes sense. Now, so the headwaters of the. By the way, where are the headwaters of the Amazon? They're on the eastern slopes of the uh, Sierra of the uh, Andes. There's okay. something like 17 tributaries that uh, empty into the Amazon, create mm-hmm. a water supply that shoots 125 miles out into the uh, Atlantic Ocean and still is fresh water mm-hmm. that far from the shore. I, Can you uh-huh. get this picture of a volume of water of that? That consequence, absolutely enormous. It is enormous, right? Uh, yeah. Um, but, then, and, but then they're also having a lot of drought problems um, in those countries uh, where that influence is at. What, what do you think, if they have a lot of fresh water, what, what do you think their blood, they, have, they must not have any good planning? There's a water cycle in the Amazon region. They have mm-hmm. an area called the Mato Grosso, the size almost of the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, every year for five to six months, uh, it has been filled with water and fresh mm-hmm. pla- and plants, so living mm-hmm. plants are sub- submerged. And uh, various ponds and rivers all become one large lake at that point. And, of course, what life forms need to adapt to that kind of periodic change, and uh, they do. So they become very hydroponic. uh, They do. They adapt uh, to that yearly event. Uh But that gives species the chance to migrate to different locations Mm -hmm. within that region, and they do so. For example, the red-bellied piranha makes its way all the way through ponds throughout that region during that water cycle, and mm-hmm. uh, various species do that. Mm-hmm. I wrote a book about that uh, as mm-hmm. a modern-day book called, uh, let's see, what is it? It's um, Raiders of the Primal Forest, because I was very disturbed about uh Brazilian government looking the other way at the same time that they were allowing settlers to come into that region, critical mm-hmm. region of the Amazon, mm-hmm. and settling, and then uh, to gain some modicum of fertilizer, they would mm-hmm. slash and burn the forest trees that were there, and mm-hmm. for two or three years, they would have adequate uh, nutrients, phosphates and nitrates, to allow uh, fairly stable crops to grow. Mm-hmm. Well, after two or three years, the poor soil basis of that region would begin to show, and they would move on to settle again and do the same thing again. It's mm-hmm. called slash and burn. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the very worst thing that could happen for our environment, uh, in any one acre of that area could house as many as 3,000 different species, 50% of which might be identified, but the other 50%, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. So what you have is... Uh, untold numbers of species being extinguished by that philosophy. And Mm -hmm. you must realize that uh, corn and other uh, substances that we use as pharmaceuticals come from a region like that. And it's like a birthplace of life. Mm -hmm. And to allow that to occur is just criminal. Uh, And it has been occurring for some time. You know, Uh, Professor, that is something... um 
you know, I'm a believer that education helps individuals' mental decisions. Um, we, we're all, everybody has to have education about what is necessary. I think we left behind, as much as you've written books, there's so much been out there, but we're inundated by so much communication today that people, I don't know which one do they want to be able to, to really listen to. But I'm a believer of education, education. We need to have a better education program about the focus of water and the thousands and thousands and millions of years, let's say, that Earth has had to have water to have existence. And that Earth existence with the solar system is also because of the water. And because of the water, it has an influence on the whole solar system because the Earth does have water. And whenever you have water on the surface, that atmosphere has water vapor, invisible water, so that water vapor is influencing the whole solar system. It's like Gene Cernan was on the moon looking back, and he said, people are crazy if they don't think there's a higher power here. (laughs) That has to be God's porch. Because he's looking back at that blue, at the blue marble. The water world, yes. It's a water world. And um, we as people have got to start to do a better job of, I think, reaching out to the children. Because children, Professor, are the magic of all of the craving of wanting to learn, wanting to get better, getting not, not always knowing enough. And when I spoke to that middle school group about water, I did something to shock the faculty. When the kids came in and I, they wanted me on stage, I said, no, no, I want to stand on the floor. And I said, give me two mics. And when they came in, um, I, uh, it was a, like a theatrical seating, not, which was just wasn't across the gym floor. And I began to teach the kids, Professor, their water and the importance of their water inside their body. And they came from a bucket of water. They entered in the air they breathed in that delivery room. From there on, their water. Does that mean they have to have water? Yes. So all of a sudden, they, they, the program professor lasted 15 minutes longer, and I missed my train. The kids didn't have to go to class yet. And when we were all done, professor... Standing ovation. The kids were not bored at all. We kept their atten- I kept their attention on them, their water. Now, the, the people you forget. You made it personal, in other words. You, you made it personal. Get, yes. We, you, and I, everybody involved in this mission need to get personal because people are beginning. It's like, what is your symptom, Professor? If you have an itch on the toe or your mental capabilities that day are a little groggy, uh, it's going to be lack of water, number one. You're, not, you're dehydrating. Number two, are you eating the proper foods to not dehydrate so quickly? Number three, are you getting enough sleep to be able to learn how to sleep, to, to be able to rest yourself because we dehydrate as we sleep. We need good sleep. The other one is breathing exercises. Just breathing. People forgot how to breathe. 
so there's so many so few basics and they're not expensive <laughs> you know actually it's it's cheaper to eat the better food if you're eating dark greens and getting the right foods but drinking water is becoming now very expensive it's like peter brabeck the chairman of nestle said it's so sad that water is having to become so expensive for people to value it because people left it behind but you're right about your mission. Um, now, in 13,000 years ago, in that region, when you came forward and uh, you saw a society begin, where were the civilizations diminishing that you found, that they just vanished in the, on our planet? Uh, where is a lot of that there? Well, I have to yeah. take a break. Well, I'm sorry, we've got to take a break. It's our only one. I, during the program, I only have one. And um, we'll come back and where you're going to tell us about some of those vanished civilizations because it has to be because of lack of water. But I'd be happy to. Don't you go anywhere. We're going to be right back. Okay. Listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Missed, and we'll be right back with Prof- Professor Shelton. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Professor Shelton, we were talking about you have studied what happened to the society of those civilizations that were, yes. have been vanishing. Tell us something about that. I uh, would be delighted. And I, I didn't uh, say how much of an honor I think it is to be invited to be a guest on your program. And I want to thank you for asking well, me. Well, thank you. That is so very special. I really, I really appreciate that. Uh, you've given your life to this. And when you're talking about civilizations, I would like to see our Earth last for eternity. And it's going to well, take your, your background, the background for the many, many years of people studying what can we do not to vanish and become the dust like conservation. other plants have become? Conservation. conservation. I write for a website full-time called Short on Time eBooks. This mm-hmm. uh, is a site that's dedicated to pretty much the same kind of idea you have in your radio show. Uh, it is educational and uh, involved with health and well-being. And uh, 
I, I'll, I think there's a, an opportunity for your listeners to get free downloads on some of the books I've written. Uh, mm-hmm. If they go to uh, Facebook and they go to Short on Time ebook, uh, they will announce, <coughs> they will announce uh, every Thursday a free download that's available. So, okay. Directly from Amazon. Okay. So it's, well, thank you. Sure. I've written something like 66, 70 books uh, on health topics. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of information out there. Mm-hmm. At any rate, getting back to the history of water and uh, civilizations, uh, I, I ran across some research information on the Anastasi, which is a southwest uh, civilization that existed here in New Mexico. And uh, maybe you have gone to New Mexico and seen those cliff dwellings? Yes, I uh, have. Those cliff dwellings were occupied by people um, maybe 1,300 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, they settled and built four- and five-story buildings against the mm-hmm. cliff. Mm-hmm. They accessed them by ladders and ropes. But they switched from a hunter-gatherer society to agrarian and they needed water base for that. There was evidence of canals and other waterways, uh, conservation methods they used. But apparently, uh, according to the study of tree rings, they had a period of almost two, 14 years of water drought. And they had to give up their entire society, disband all of their buildings and left their positions and um, dispersed to other locations where there was water. Mm-hmm. But that has happened countless numbers of times. Uh, if you go to the Sahara Desert, one of the driest mm-hmm. places on the world, in the world, mm-hmm. as um, climatologists tell us that 7,000 years ago, uh, currents along the African coastline changed, mm-hmm. which changed the weather pattern that mm-hmm. brought rain to that particular region of North Mm -hmm. Africa, when the weather pattern changed, uh, the populations that settled in the Sahara could no longer sustain themselves. They had to pick up and move. The birthplace of humanity, uh, modern humanity, Mesopotamia, between the Euphrates and other rivers, was based upon the migration of those individuals from the Sahara into that region of the world, including the Egyptians. They settled along the Nile Valley, but they had to move because there was no water available from the uh, weather patterns that had developed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it means that we are entirely dependent upon capturing water from uh, the cycling of water in our environment. Consider our own self. You mentioned that there were certain cities that were running out of water, and you, I heard you say Los Eleven. Angeles. Mm-hmm. I heard you say Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the father of Los Angeles water supply is Mulholland. That's the fellow that uh, went into the slopes of the Sierra Nevadas and had the city of Los Angeles buy the water rights to areas in which there was snowmelt. That was 180 miles away from Los Angeles. This mm-hmm. was way back in the early part of the 19th of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And um, that water supply was channeled 
from creeks like Rush Creek and Mono Lake into a series of pipes and pump stations that brought water Mm -hmm. to the San Fernando Valley Mm -hmm. and then was rushed into the Metropolitan Water Supply. Mm -hmm. That was the origin of water supply that occurred here. Mm -hmm. Uh, But since that time, Mono Lake has become like a the saltiest condition since the, the Dead Sea. And uh, they have, that area has sued us, the L.A. Montebello Water District, and uh, forced a, uh, a reversal of that particular condition so mm-hmm. that they can now receive part of their own snow melt and to refurnish water to Rush Creek and uh, Mono Lake. And you, you you have said that there have been litigation dealing with water. Well, that's mm-hmm. that's throughout our history. Mm-hmm. Consider Arizona. Arizona uh, was being deprived of their end quote adequate share from the Colorado River. Mm-hmm. Well, they sued the L.A. Metropolitan Water District, and they said, "Look, you're taking water that uh, half of that stuff is ours." And uh, we need it for our own agriculture, which, uh, mm-hmm. by the way, gets 70% of the water that we save. Mm-hmm. And um, they sued LMA, Metropolitan Water District, and they won. Mm-hmm. So that means that uh, half of that Colorado River water goes to Arizona for their requirements, and the other half is still used by LA Metropolitan. Doesn't some of that go into New Mexico, too? Yes, it does. Because I think I've had the heads of headwaters and from Colorado to California to Arizona to New Mexico on the show. And um, they're all sharing this water. They are. Yes, true. They're all fighting for the same source. And isn't the meager that source of That is all. frightening <laughs> to go that long without figuring out an independent method of being uh, self reliant on what you can provide your own society of where they live, depending upon coming out of Colorado. And I've asked the people at Colorado, the headwaters, what, what do you plan on doing when you start have, can't share it someday? And that could happen. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, there's a, there are answers. Uh, I noticed uh, recently I got, a, some, I got some literature from a company that was soliciting bids from local water companies to buy their source of water, which is reverse osmosis. Mm-hmm. And um, they didn't mention a price. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they shouldn't because... Right. Um, the cost of reverse osmosis, which is, by the way, used in um, certain Middle Eastern countries. Israel mm-hmm. is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, reverse osmosis is at least four times more expensive than retrieving water from re- by recycling it. Well, people say this. In fact, I'm glad you brought this up. Oh, well, we've always got the ocean. And I said, but when you re- look at, if you look at it that way, how are you going to afford it uh, to be able to sustain all the things we do with water all day long? And now, before we move on, the word recycle, I've had on here um, some of the, a person who was um, involved with the Singapore recycling. You, you know the Singapore story. I have heard about it. Yeah, the recycling the water. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they, they were dependent upon... Um, 
I'm, I'm embarrassed. Uh, they were dependent on Taiwan and, uh, for a pipe coming over and they no longer, uh, they've, they've cut off two of the contracts or one of the contracts that they have now gotten to where they could, with their own recycling, that they're in, they're in, they're independent. They know how to take care of themselves. Now, before we go too much further, you've got to have, and I hate to do this to you, you've got to have some with your experience and, and uh, what you've learned with what you've been studying and you've come to your life now and your age and all that you've accomplished. You've got to have an opinion. You've got, and I'm going to put you down on it, an opinion. Okay. You don't have to tell the world that you believe this is in gold and, and in the concrete. But what is your opinion on what to do about all this? Okay. Uh, I'm glad you asked me that. Uh, uh, Consider what we were talking about earlier, uh, Lake Erie as being a, a lake in a, on the road to eutrophication uh, and other bodies of water and streams throughout the country. Uh, eutrophication is a natural process, but if we speed it up, if we speed it up by adding our own wastes, nitrates, and phosphates, then the process will uh, accelerate as it does and uh, we'll lose that precious source of water. What I think should happen is we should hold industries and manufacturers who pollute water to the point at which it cannot be recycled. We should hold them and find them so that um, that type of practice, like those who make batteries, for example, or deal with heavy metals, so so difficult for them to do that type of pollution that uh, it becomes. Hello, are we still on? I'm still. I'm listening real close. <laughs> I, I got some buzzing there. Sorry about uh, okay. that. Okay. Okay. Um, we should hold them accountable for their actions and charge them because it's affecting all of us. Well, I think that our laws are somewhat more lax than they should be in regard to manufacturing pollution of water. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's my basic point of view, and I think we could do better. And we need to hold our politicians responsible for uh, the pollution that has happened in the past as well as that what is ha- which is happening now. Mm-hmm. So you know, I've got an idea on something, and because uh, your experiences, you can think about it. You know, we have a government in the United States who likes to get into the business world. In other words, they want to be entrepreneurish also. Um, and I've thought about that for many, many, many years. Why is it that because we're one of the most, we used to be, uh, the most successful business people in the world at one time in our history, and, and I cannot say that anymore, uh, but we were. And I'm wondering if the government would set up an attitude, an outlook with those politicians that if there's a company that wants to do business in the country, which adds to the economy, jobs, uh, everything that's healthy to for a society to live. Why can't the government be involved? Okay, if you want to have one of those industries that the government then also helps out that p- 
side that you're saying. In other words, they're going to make sure along with that industry that there's a partnership to oversee because the government has scientists involved in that. We pay scientists to be involved to know that. Usually normal industry are just thriving to exist and get do what they're doing with the sale of their goods or what they're doing. They don't always have scientists in, uh, uh, hired. But the government does. We as the people pay for scientists to work with the government to know right. these things. EPA. And follow me for a second, Professor. The reason I say this is one time I was in a meeting. I live in Oregon all my life. Really? And our greatest business was, yes, I'll talk to you about University of Oregon in a minute. But anyway, uh, Oregon was so into timber for the rest of the world to enjoy. And our timber loggers and, and those, tim- those companies, that was hard work. Then all of a sudden came, well, you can't cut the tree down. Well, why didn't the government come in way before that and say, as you do this, we will be a partner for you to be doing this, and the government will share, and then you get your part, we get our part, but we're going to be scientifically helping you to, um, to plant those trees, how to log it so we can do this and that, and we'll be a partner. Instead, they came after the, one of the biggest industries America had. Logging. And shut it down to the point that Oregon became like a ghost town. And I looked at it in a meeting one time, and I, I'm going to reveal myself a little bit. I was asked to do some research so far back in one of these meetings, and I was going to be at, in the meeting on the research. And I said at the end of the meeting to the individual on the floor who was with the government, why didn't you think about these things? You've got the scientists. We pay for that. We, the people, need jobs. They need the economy to be healthy, and that's the communities. And, and when you have a healthy industry, they pay taxes. Oregon that's used right. to have, not have to worry ever about how to pass school budgets. And, and I can remember when the polio drive, remember, Professor, way back in our era, we had polio mm, drives among sure. all the kids. Well, Roseburg, Oregon used to win because we were the timber capital of the world. That's where I grew up. But back to uh, my thinking is uh, civilizations would last. Societies would be happy and healthy and, and very, very healthy if, if the government of every country would get involved with helping them thrive, help them build their businesses, help them build their lifestyles, and be part of it with the fact that we hire these people to be scientists in these different agriculture and, and, and all these different things that we pay for the, these huge out money that goes out, we the people, all the people that are involved in the United States, to pay for these different departments to be knowledgeable of what to do. And in water, like you said, the politicians, here again, we pay for this enormous amount of money when we have more people that are in poverty than ever and for so long today. And those people are those, are those government uh, organizations are still there paying enormous amounts of money. And I guess we could be safe to say billions nowadays. Everything, to, have you been so surprised, Professor? Everything's in the billions today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we used to say millions. It's the old million. And now it's billions. And what are they doing? What are they doing? 
But back to the um, civilizations of our planet. Uh, Before we're done, we don't have too much time left, but what is your thinking about what is happening to China? China has great aspirations to become the number one economy in the world. Uh, They're actually catching up with our own economy. We're still number one, but I don't know how much longer that's going to continue. Um, They make great demands upon the environment. And I think that their air air quality is not anywhere near what ours is. And we uh, went through a evolution or revolution in which we couldn't see how we could live with smog. And uh, China and its industrial base hasn't approached that yet. But they will eventually learn, as we did, that you cannot continue to despoil the environment without consequence. And uh, they make demands, uh, great demands upon the environment. I think um, they're going to have to learn, as we will, that the lessons of the past. If we don't take care of the environment, we will not survive. Societies in the past. That is the concern that they have in China themselves, is what is going to happen because they have 1.3 billion people and they're needing a society like all of us as a society to live healthy and have an economy. And yet the industrial revolution that they have going on to be, to be able to become the superpower, to be able to keep 1.3 billion people living as a society uh, with that industrial revolution of causing the air to be beyond all imagination contaminated. Oh, yeah. Uh, 750,000 people they've been printing are dying a year, knowing that they died because of the pollution. Eight-year-olds getting uh, lung cancer. 118 rivers that are polluted. So, But didn't Russia go through that at one time so far back in the 50s, an industrial revolution that also was having problems with contamination of the air? They did. Uh, shortly, uh, not more than a year ago, I read an article in the paper about... Uh, some contamination of baby formula. And this gives you an illustration of how, you might say, profligate and how little uh, China officials regard human life because melamine, a a product that is added to um, various components, plastics, was being added to baby formula and being sold to the population. Well, uh, as you might expect, it was okay for external use, but not internal use. And so babies died, seven or eight, and 300,000 people, babies, young people, became ill as a result of that consumption. Well, that gives you something of an idea of the uh, philosophy, uh, the lack of concern right. of um, the Chinese we're all government. Having, all over Earth, we're having a challenge with using our concerns, being concerned about what we're eating, what we're drinking, and what, how we're living, even our homes. Insulated windows and walls. Who would have ever known? There's, how can you put moisture in, inside of insulated windows and walls oh, wow. and uh, live with moisture? But we're out of time. Uh, I'd like to have you on again someday about one of your books. We could probably zero in on one of those. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us today, and uh, I wanted to tell everyone to go. Now, tell them again how to find your books on the website. Short on time ebooks 
go to uh, Facebook, and uh, they will give you instructions of what to do from beyond, beyond that point. Okay, well, I really, some of those books I've got to look up too because there's some real fascinations in some of the topics that you chose to do through the years. Well, you have a very special holiday season, and I want to thank you for coming on. It was quite an honor to all of us. Give us your time. Thank you, Sharon, for asking You be well. Goodbye. Well, I keep telling everybody the Earth has secrets. And uh, Professor Shelton and many of these guests that we've had on have been that secret. We need to learn. We need to be educated. And that's what this show is all about. But Earth has a secret. Embrace your life. But embrace that water in your life. Embrace somebody else's also. But Earth has a whispering. It whispers to you. Earth whispers something. Don't take it all with you. Leave some all of it behind. That's the special part of our lives. We have that choice. I want to thank you for listening today. You have a special day, and be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.